you have these puzzle pieces that are giving you various angles, various lines, various small representations of a fuller idea. God has spoken throughout the Old Testament in that way. And when we look at these things, we hear and we notice some common phrases and some common names and some common words, some consistent themes that run throughout. But all of those are working together. We're putting them together to get us to a bigger picture, a better picture. They're not bad. There is just something better. They're going to provide for us something better. The letter to the Hebrews is unique because this writer takes Old Testament ideas and he continues to point them to who is to come. And the one who is to come is this Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we are no longer working with various puzzle pieces that would help us to see what God is doing throughout history. We now, in Jesus, have the picture in full. It's the puzzle that's been placed together. It's the fancy puzzle person who decides they're going to glue it together and mount it and put it on their wall. That's what we have. We can see everything that God has been doing from the very beginning in full, in the flesh, in Jesus. Now you have a few different types of writers to Jesus that are working here. You've got the prophets and they're all present in the Old Testament. You've got people who are writing down, this is the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. This is what God would have us to hear. These are the things that the video that we watched a few moments ago point us to. They give us some trajectory. They show us this is what God is doing in Jesus. This is what God's going to provide for you in Jesus. This is what God is bringing to you in Jesus. You have these things. The prophets give them. The life of Jesus comes in the gospel. We see him live. We see him die. We see him resurrected. And from that point forward, we don't have the people anymore who would just write things down as to who Jesus will be. We now have these eyewitness accounts of what Jesus did. And we see that God is speaking to us through Jesus. He speaks to us through the through the actions of Jesus. God speaks to us through the signs of Jesus. He speaks to us emphatically through the cross of Jesus. Go with me to verse 2. In these last days, He has spoken to us by the Son. So us is a big word. We need to figure out who us is in this passage. Who is this us in the passage? Well, the church at this point in history was made up of largely a Jewish population. I, the church as a whole few years removed from Jesus, had not gathered an incredible amount of Gentile believers. There were some, but for the first 40 years of the church, it was primarily Jewish people. Even there, you have a division. You have the Jewish people who are traditional Jews. They are poor, and they hold traditional Jewish teaching. And then you have these Hellenistic Jews. The Hellenistic Jews are different. And the reason that they're different is they are more Greek than they are Jewish. But they had enough of a working knowledge of Judaism to be dangerous. Just like many of us have enough of a working knowledge of the Bible to be dangerous. 
And as you look at these Jewish people, they are working through some things as they process what it means for them to be God's people in their world. And everything wasn't coming together perfectly for them. When you look, you see these things present in these Hellenistic Jews. They lived in the ten cities that, surround, that were made up of the churches in the New Testament. And here were the things that we would see if you look at their consistent presence throughout the history of the church. There was an overemphasis on the spiritual realm. Very much like we see currently. They knew the gospel. They knew what God had done for them in Jesus. However, they did not know how to live that. And they chose not to. They were tempted to sin. They were, they were caught up in perpetual spiritual immaturity. On top of these things, there were some present realities for their day-to-day -day lives that made it difficult to follow Jesus. Because when you trust in Jesus, there's this initial thought that everything's going to be perfect from that point forward, and then life happens. Anybody? Just me. Some of them face persecution. Some of these new converts to Christianity saw their loved ones were suffering. They had friends that were departing from the faith day after day. Christianity for them was hard. And then there was this whole set of things they kept finding. And it was difficult to believe them. Because they had grown up so separate from Judaism. They would hear phrases and they would say, The Bible really says that? Nobody believes that. Wait a second. That, this was supposed to be easier than this. In many ways, they are not just the us that we grow to know when we do a little study of history. These people are us. Having a faith that is tied to Jesus and his gospel in some way. But that is not in actuality lived out. I'll give you a case study. I text back and forth with another pastor in town. With a few pastors in town. But there's only one who ever replies to me. Uh, Greg Pickering at Brazos Point. We, we text about church because I want you to give you a bit of a sample as to what's taking place. And when we text, uh, we talk about different things that pastors talk about. Like where, we going, where we're going to eat lunch. And, but we'll also have conversations where he encourages me because he's much, much older than I am. And when we chat, he said to me one day, Chad... In our area, there are 6,000 people who claim to be members of Brazos Point. The largest church in our area by far. But we see close to 1,000 on a Sunday morning. Now this does not take into full consideration the way that some of you guys work. Because you work yourselves to death. I, I, I'm completely honored you choose to be here on a Sunday when you're not working. But we do see in that statistic just a sampling 
of what it means for us to claim a faith that is not in actuality practiced. In many ways, these people are us. They also were familiar enough with the rituals of Judaism that when Paul said, or Paul or whomever wrote this says in verse 2, in these last days he's spoken to us by the Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, that he's spoken to us in the Son. When God says that Jesus is better here, and that's a common thing that you'll hear here at our church, and you may wonder why we say this so much. Why do we say that Jesus is better? That we believe that he's better? We are hoping to look at what takes place in the people of, of, in Hebrews and their similarities with us. Because there are so many similarities to what this writer deals with and what we deal with as the church of Jesus in this community. People who claim one thing that do not in actuality choose to live that People who have a superficial knowledge as to who God is, but they do not want to know Him deeper. People who have used Christian as an adjective as opposed to a noun. We look and we see that we've been called to say over and over that the God who we worship in a comparison and contrast is much better than everything the world provides. We're not simply saying that in the way that I would tell you that I think that Whataburger is better than Sonic, though it is, and I think that's divine and we can find it in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> that's kidding. We're not adding things. It's not that type of contrast. It's us saying that Jesus is better than everything the tradition has brought us to. Because you've got these people who have this knowledge as, as to what it meant to have Jewish ritual and what it means to have Jewish systems and what it meant to have goats and what it meant to have traditions and what it meant to have certain things happening. But they're almost disappointed that now those things are no longer ultimate. That in actuality, they've never been ultimate. That Jesus is ultimate. You mean to tell me before that I had my rituals and my systems and my goats and I had my programs and I had my stained glass and I had my liturgy and I had all of these things, but now you're saying to me that all that I have is Jesus? Yes, because Jesus is all you need. Those things point to, they do not provide anything. Jesus is better because he provides everything for us that God has provided. Let's look at what he provided. These seven things are listed in these verses. Go here with me. We see that in Jesus, God shows us that he provides Jesus as the heir of all things. Everything that belongs to God belongs to Jesus. In this world that they lived in, the idea of the oldest son being the heir was a prominent concept. And this son would receive everything that his father owned when he died. However, we don't really deal with that because we know that God does not die. He's eternal. However, this word is used to show that Jesus has all of the authority of God. Jesus has been given permission to speak on behalf of God. That everything that Jesus says is the word of God. All things belong to him because he is God's full embodied representation. 
That we also see that Jesus created the world. He is not a created being. He is the creator of all things. He gives everything life and breath and everything else, as the writer of the book of Acts tells us. That Jesus is the exact radiance of the glory of God. That Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. That he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, I want to be careful because I don't want you to ever think that when we say that God upholds the universe by Jesus, that he is some puppeteer that holds things together and moves this way and moves that way and keeps things moving in the direction that he hopes they would move. That God is working like that. This passage shows that God spoke the world into existence and while he does sustain it that word that spoke it made everything that is what it is the power of God is not something that he is simply having to show over and over his power is full and it always has fully been he's the exact imprint of his nature he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high it's finished. We've heard that phrase. What are ways that we see Jesus actually speaking? God spoke through the miracles or signs. A little bit of participation here. Jesus spoke and he turned water into... Jesus spoke and he made a blind man... Jesus spoke and he fed how many people? 5,000 men, probably 20,000. Jesus spoke and he gave a deaf man hearing... We also see that God spoke through the words of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, the life. God speaking through Jesus. God spoke emphatically through the cross of Jesus. When he said it is finished. The idea of the imprint that we say there in in verse 2 is an important one for us to look at. Because what you have is the concept in their world of a coin. If you were the emperor, you would make sure that you hired someone to be your uh, your artist. This artist was also would also pass their artwork onto an engraver. This engraver would make a mold so that every coin that was stamped for their kingdom had an imprint, and it was a picture of the king who was alive. That's what they're saying. That's what what they're trying to do. And the reason for that, how how interesting is it that we have dead presidents on coins, but in the Bible times they had living kings on their coins. God uses the writer of Hebrews to speak to their world to talk about this idea of the imprint. And he uses what they're doing and what they're holding and what they're seeing to, to teach them. So I've got coins in my pocket. If I've got a quarter, it's got an imprint on it. The imprint on the quarter is whom? This is a struggle, people. I'm really uh, I'm worried about you. If I have a dime in my pocket, the imprint is whom? It's even more difficult, isn't it? I have a nickel in my pocket, the imprint is whom? If I have a penny in my pocket, the imprint is whom? <laughs> Everyone's louder when it comes to the penny because we've got the most of those. I hold the quarter right now, and this quarter has an imprint, the imprint of, of George Washington. You can see that. It's there. When Jesus says here that there is an imprint that's been made, the writer says to us that he is the exact imprint of God. 
He's saying what you hold when you see Jesus, what you see when you see Jesus, what you interact with when you interact with Jesus is God in full. You have God's representation. You have God's speaking. You have God's power there in Jesus. It is finished that God would speak emphatically through his cross. That God would say to us that he is moving in such a unique way in the cross that he would allow us to be right with him. That God would do a work on the cross that makes Christianity something that we can be part of. That his kingdom that never ends, that our finite selves can interact with that. The saddest thing is that we don't always see the effects of our sin. Many of us do not see that Jesus has to do a finished work because we do not believe that that finished work is necessary for us. We don't see the stains of our sin. For the most part, we view ourselves as good people, as good people who are clean. I, we are almost on the end of potty training at the Poe home. We've been doing it for a long time. Like 23 years, I feel like. It's so long. So many kids at our house. And potty training is a, a unique experience in and of itself. Uh, Shepard and Charlie and Noli and, and Alder. And if you've ever had children at your house or been around children or, or seen one from a distance, there is going to be a point where their mom and dad have to take them to a public restroom, which is fear-inspiring. And you take the child to the restroom and, and you, they sit on the toilet. They, they mount the toilet by putting their hands on said toilet that everyone else has also been near. <laughs> when they are done, they, after you've done the work of being a parent, take that for whatever it means, they dismount. Their dismount is a continuation of their hands being on the toilet. They launch themselves toward the floor. They do not stick the landing ever. Their hands go flat on the ground. They then grab you by the pant leg and pull themselves up as if they're shimmying up a rope. You say to that child, let's go wash our hands, and their reply is, I don't need to. I don't need to. Yeah, you do. We're going to dip you in a vat of hand sanitizer when we leave here. That's most of us with our sin. I don't need anything to deal with this. I, I, I don't need it. I don't need it. But the gospel of God revealed to us in Jesus the better word of God is that we do. And that God has done such a work in Jesus that he could meet us. This overwhelming God who set the world in motion, who loves us completely, so completely, that his embodied nature, God incarnate, God in the flesh, would choose to die in our place, arms stretched on a cross, feet with nails pierced through them, blood shed, and all of this is still speaking to the nature of the Jewish people. 
Because for these Jewish people and all of their background, every year they would have to come with sacrifices to meet the great high priest. And the great high priest had all these rules and all these regulations and all these things that he's having to process. And there would have to be an animal sacrifice in their place. A tradition that was rich for the Jewish people. And Jesus is saying, I am better because you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to do that. Now we do make some very odd choices, even as modern Christians who would claim this truth. Yet we're overridden by guilt at times when we don't live this truth. Some of us who have been a part of the church of God that has been revealed to us in Jesus for years, we have this tension, this stress, these anxieties because we've not done this, we've not done that, we've not done our quiet time, which sounds like a punishment if I'm being completely honest with you. The work of God on the cross has made you right with Jesus. Nothing makes you righter with God than Jesus. You are completely right, accepted, and loved in God because of the work of Christ on the cross. Because God has chosen to meet us there. To meet with us and offer us hope and salvation and to offer us direction and to show us that He is better in worlds that say at times that He's not. One theologian says this about Jesus, and I love it. He says, how can you live with the terrifying thought that the hurricane has become human, that the fire has become flesh, that life itself has walked into our midst? Christianity either means that or it means nothing. It is the most devastating disclosure of the deepest reality of the world. Or it is a sham, a total nonsense. Most people unable to cope with either of those two things are condemned to live in the shallow world in between. We choose the shallow world of niceties and politeness and we miss that God has done a work in His Son that calls those of us who are His to people who would be on mission for Him and those of us who are not to... God calls us to them to love and care and reach them because the word the Bible uses over and over is that they're lost and far from God. God's word speaks to us. God's word, we also see this. God's word spoke about Jesus. Verses 4 through 15, we see these repeated phrases from the Old Testament. And in each of these Old Testament phrases, you see God pointing to these unique, the uniqueness of Jesus in its presentation. And you see the tension that we have throughout the Scriptures present here. One uh, pastor says, you have the descendant of David. These confusing things if we're not careful. If without Jesus, these things would be confusing. But with Jesus, we see this to be true. We have a descendant of David who is also the one that David calls Lord. We see that Jesus, he comes in humility and he will also rule in great glory. We see that Jesus will suffer and die, yet he will rule the nations. We see this idea of who God is fully present in Jesus. And we see God saying, this is my son, he's better than the angels. Which is a super big deal for these people because they loved angels. Just like we love angels. Gabriel, Michael, Shawty, we love angels as a people. We think angels are cool. We make angels. We have baseball teams named angels. But God talks about Jesus in a unique way. 
Because he is talking to him not as the angel, but as the son. As God's full representation. And for Jewish people whose history is tied to the spiritual realm, who, if you read through the Old Testament passage, you see the presence of angels... They don't understand how anything that is created could be superior to an angel. Yet God is saying that Jesus is. We actually see Jesus verbalized throughout the Old Testament in his pre-incarnate form. And the best phrase they can use to talk about him is the angel of the Lord. You see that in when we read through... Exodus. We see that in Gideon. We see that when Joshua. We see that over and over. Yet this idea is not that Jesus is an angel. What we have when we read the phrase the angel of the Lord is Jesus a Christophany is the Bible word or the theological word for it. God representing himself here so you can see what he's eventually going to do when we get there. So when God shows up, when Jesus represents at the as the at the burning bush, we see the angel of the Lord present. And the angel of the Lord present is Jesus in full. And he is showing Moses, you're going to deliver these people, which will eventually point to me delivering all people who were sinners from their sin. All that trust in me will be delivered. So you see Jesus showing up there. And in these verses, these 11 verses that we have, You see these Old Testament references to everything that God has provided for us in Jesus and how much more significant he is than the things that they have been clinging to. How much more significant is Jesus than the things that you cling to? How much more important is Jesus than your false spirituality? Your short-sighted faith? Verse 14, he actually says, Are all of these, not all ministering spirits, sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? It's the box. And what we've been doing in these first verses is in this first part of the Bible, the Old Testament. These are all things that contain information to show us Jesus. It's the Christmas morning package opening where your child who's too young to understand that $27 Mickey Mouse that you've purchased just plays with the box. The Jewish people that the writer of Hebrews addresses, when they cling to their ritual, when they cling to their angels, when they cling to their spirituality, when they cling to things that cause them not to hold on to Jesus, or that child, playing with a box. And that's where we are if we are not careful. People who cling to the things of this world that God has given to show us Jesus, but missing Jesus, those things can range from our families, as important as they are, to our children, 
They can be our jobs. They can be our resources. They can be our finances. Things that God has given to show us that he is a provider, that he is one who cares, that he is one who loves. But when we cling to them, we are saying that Jesus is worse when all that God has said to us about him is he's better. Better not in the sense of this ice cream is a tad bit better than that, but he is significantly more valuable. He is incomparable. He is God himself revealed to us. Finally, we see that God speaks to us. If you're with me, uh, verse chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. If you can flip over there, if you'd like. But in those verses, we have what the writer of Hebrews uh, is honestly a benediction for the book. In the same way that we use scripture passages to close out our services each week, and Jared has us hold our hand up like we're part of a small nation. What, what we have in Hebrews 13... is a benediction for the book to remind those who are the people of God that this is not just information but that people who are informed by the work of God have been transformed by who God is in Jesus transformed by the word of God go with me to 20 and 21 now may the God of peace who brought again who who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant Equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. We see that God is alive in us, those of us who've trusted in Christ. God is speaking not in the caps lock speak that we see in the person of Jesus but we are removed witnesses to Jesus we are not apostles who have first hand accounts of what God has done but we have a second hand account of all that God has done that we have heard the final word that we have seen the great sacrifice that we have partaken in God's divine love mercy and grace towards us that we speak to who Jesus is we have been equipped to say that we have been equipped to speak that we have been equipped to live that and we do those things to the glory of God for ever and ever and ever because his son is people God speaks to the world around us through his people knowing him and loving him and clinging to him and making sure that his word is heard because we've known and we've experienced a God who is better I want to do this this morning I invite you to bow your heads if that's not your thing that's okay But if, for whatever reason, you look at your faith and your walk with God and, and you see that it is short of you knowing who Jesus is, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Then I know that the church that God has called us to serve here at Grace, our people would love to be able to share with you what it means for you to follow Christ, what it means for you to know this Jesus who we worship is alive that he has overcome death so that we could overcome death so that we could live for his sake I'll be at the back corner of this room if you need me uh, on the right hand side today 
back corner on the right hand side if you would like to talk to me about what it means for you to have a relationship with Christ we would love to do that because Jesus does he speaks a better word to us all the things that we've heard all the things that we've known they are there so that we can see what God has given us in his son let's not miss the son for all the things that were intended to show us him Because they pointed, but he provides. He is our hope. Lord Jesus, we trust you this morning. We thank you for your word and, and how you care for us. I pray as we sing today, as we think on your cross, that our hearts will um, be moved into a deeper walk with you. For our people in here who are caught in superficial religion. God, I pray that they will let go of that so they can hold on to you. God, make yourself overwhelmingly obvious as we celebrate your goodness that we see in your word. The word who became flesh. We ask it in his name.